everybody, and welcome to another episode of the RFP Podcast, episode number 179, Relentless Forward Progress. I'm your host, Mike Ubaldini, and again, joined by another guest. Jeff, you there? Yes, sir. Awesome. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the show. Thanks again for coming on board for uh, for some tales here. So I appreciate you you jumping on. Um, Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Great, great. So for the audience, uh, Jeff Beck, he and I met roughly what eighteen months ago. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, December of eighteen. Correct, correct. So Jeff and I met randomly at a uh, an aid station that we volunteered with his brother Greg and another gentleman Mike. And uh, you know, since then, uh, you know, I think we we've obviously got close. Uh, just really from that day and and from you know running and doing the trails and then your your journey, which we'll get into from an ultra ultra marathon perspective but that's kind of how things started off and that's just for the audience that's how we met so it's been a good 18 months uh, we've gotten to know our, uh, the families a little bit uh, we've shared many miles uh, together on the trails and I think that's kind of where where we, I want to start this Jeff and we kind of ch- uh, chatted a little bit yesterday but you know over the course of the last 18 months since we met in December from from what well, well one from a you know an ultra marathon perspective and and perspective and talk about you know basically going out and 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 taking a journey and and setting out for a mission and that's kind of why i wanted you to share this because i i've been if i get choked up i apologize i've been so proud of you and just to be able to be part of this process and share this journey with you and see where you've come from over the course of the last 18 months yeah, with with respect to running and, and on the trails and that whole journey is one thing, but just you know some of the things you've had to endure over the course of that time, uh, I'm I'm one grateful to be able to be part of it, um, and and I wanted to share this story because I think it's important for people to know about just just so many concepts and aspects of it. So, you know, why don't we start from that time in December of. 2018 and, and we talked about you wanting to you shared with me hey listen I want to I think I want might want to get into maybe running again and really specifically possibly doing an ultra marathon so why don't we start there yeah well I mean I had I, I ran years earlier and I, I ran a couple marathons and bounced off of it when I bought a mountain bike to cross train and then that was also when I started writing books and it's kind of hard to write books and run and mountain bike something has to fall off but it, it was really like in, in early 18 that I, I started kind of like getting it together. Like I, I found the, the Missing Chins Run Club, which the, the guy who founded it was on the cover of Runner's World and he lost 200 pounds. And, and it, was, it was kind of a group for heavier runners. And, you know, I, I got in there and then learned that a lot of it was more food based than exercise based. And on a whim, after some time, gave plant based a shot. And, and when we met, I had gone plant-based, I think about six months earlier. And in that time I had dropped about 50 pounds and there was so much, I mean, as far as like outside influence of hearing about doing ultras and, and that it's just an amazing experience and it's, it's a great community. And, and for me, I'm, I'm big on research. You know, if I want to learn something, I can dive in and spend hours reading around and whatever, but 
everything I read talked about like your, your first ultra, you want to do it at home. So you don't not only have the travel expense, but how many things can go wrong while you travel? You know, you lose a suitcase, you do the, the hotel bed sucks. I mean, there's, right. there, there's all these little things that you take for granted when you're staying in your house. Right. And, and so that was like, okay. And then, so I, I then started researching like, what's the best first ultra in Arizona and everything said, if you're in Arizona, like roll the dice, it doesn't matter. Anything Aravipa puts on is an amazing event. And I was like, well, okay, awesome. And I, I really liked the thought of doing maybe a 50K or a 50 mile or something, but I, I was looking through stuff and, and I wanted to volunteer. I figured, I mean, not only does Aravipa give race credit, but let's really see what it's all about. Is it that great of a community? And, and there was something about McDowell Mountain Frenzy that... You know, it's early December, so in Phoenix, the weather's perfect. Um, and I was, I was looking at the race map, and there was the, the one aid station that, that we picked was Dixie Mountain, which, which if, if people don't know, Aravipa puts on races that are, like for McDowell Mountain Frenzy, you had a 50-mile, a 50K, a 20-mile, a 15-mile, I mean, all these shorter distances down to about a 5K in, in some cases. And with Dixie Mountain the only runners we would see would be 50 mile or 50 K. And in both cases, they would have been 10 miles since their last aid station. So, so I really thought like, okay, you know, we're going to be the oasis in the desert. That's awesome. You know, everyone's going to be stoked to see us. And then that's always cool, you know, set yourself up to win there. But then I read that you needed a high profile vehicle to get out there. And I drive a Volkswagen GTI. It doesn't really have much in the way of ground clearance. So <laughs> I reached out to my brother, who's not a runner at all, but has a lifted Tacoma and said, hey, man, you want to come spend a day with me? Even though he's not a runner, he likes helping and he, he likes doing stuff. You know, he goes camping a lot. So he said, sure. So we, we packed up the truck, went out there, and that's where, where we met you and the other guy, Mike, who he was in town from, I think, like New Hampshire. His, yeah, his, like East Coast. Somewhere, yeah. yeah, New England. And, and his wife is an ultra runner and they travel around in their RV and he hangs out and either crews or paces or not paces, but crews or volunteers and just whatever. So there was the four of us. And I mean, that day was unbelievable. I mean, it, it was one of the coolest days I've ever spent and I was volunteering. And then part of it, you know, we obviously my brother and I knew each other, but the, the other two of you were strangers. And within about an hour, we had developed a rhythm that we were a well-oiled machine and five hours in, I mean, I'd, I'd give us like better odds than most at anything we do, we'd be successful because like our communication and, and just, there was no ego of, I don't want to be the one refilling the jugs. Like everyone's jumping in doing stuff. Like I think I made 50 PB and J's that day. Cause I, you know, as, as the one with the, the youngest kids, I've made a lot of PB and J's lately. So, you know, I was just slapping it together and doing food prep, but then, I mean, dude, you have no idea what, what an impact it had on me watching you take people. Because what, what people don't know, if, you, if you're not familiar with the, the McDowell Mountain Frenzy, the 50 mile, you get to our aid station, Dixie Mountain, at like mile 28. And then you have to turn around and you've got about a four mile up and down that are like three and a half miles that's straight up and straight down Thompson Peak. And so if your legs are shot when you get to us the first time, now you're going straight up and straight down and you're done. And dude, you were unbelievable. I mean, there was like four or five different runners that if you weren't there that day, there's no way they finish. And in most cases, there's no way they even leave our aid station. 
And it was, what was awesome is like, there was that one woman who came in and she was shaking and shivering. And I mean, it wasn't warm, but it wasn't cold either, but she was way out of her depth. And mm. you were with her for like 30 or 40 minutes. And like you were grabbing stuff and you were talking to her and you were in like, she ended up eventually leaving and she ended up finishing. Mm-hmm. And I, and literally hand on a Bible, I'd swear in court, there is no way she leaves if I'm, if, if Greg and I and the other Mike are there and that's, and not you, because I didn't know what to tell her. I didn't know. And, and you just did so. I mean, the, the, the best thing I did was I, uh, I brought a, my hypervolt massage gun. And when people were lending, I'd be like, Hey, you want to use this? And they'd look at me like, are you kidding? Yes. And, and you know, <laughs> they, they grind this thing into whatever muscle hurt for a few minutes, hand it back and go on their way. But I mean, you were like the trail side shrink and doctor and so many other things. And, and it was just, it was unbelievable. And, and, and that's when I realized like, no, like, like all the stories of community are even downplayed. Like, like this is even greater than I thought it would be. And, you know, everyone just kept coming through and we saw hundreds of runners. I think all but like four said like profusely, thank you. And you guys are amazing and whatever. I mean, it was, it was, everyone was so happy and so upbeat and so, you know, like, like we'd be out of stuff. They're like, all right, well, what else? And okay, I'll do that. You know, it was, it was, it was just an amazing experience. And it, it definitely solidified in the back of my mind, like, this is happening. Like, like I am definitely going to run an ultra marathon this year or next year. And, and at that point, I mean, I was doing, I think I was doing about 15 to 20 miles a week. So, you know, not nothing, but definitely not enough to be like, okay, well there's, you know, cause there's, there's all sorts of, of era Vipa has races from the, for the first three or four months pretty regularly. And then throughout the summer, they do the night races and then fall comes and they, they go back to having a ton of them. And, most months you've got at least one event, if not two or even three. So I started just kind of looking over um, race schedules and, and really reading about training blocks and, and what am when, and I, I write uh, shoe reviews for road trail run. Um, I'm a, I'm one of the contributors there. I, I joke that I'm the fat slow one because at 5'11", 200 pounds compared to a lot of those other guys, I am the really fat slow. I mean, there's, there's, five guys that have like a sub three hour marathon. I think Michael has like a two forty one. Derek. I mean, and, the, and they're, they're super nice, but I mean, that's, I, I bring the kind of more every man perspective because there's, you know, like my, my fastest five K is like 21 minutes. Some of these guys can do 15 minutes. So my, uh, I guess my, like my perspective on shoes is, is more in line with, the majority of runners because let's face it if if you're running a 16 minute 5k you probably already know what shoe you're going to use you know right. you, don't, you don't need to look at a website to get information but if if you're just starting or whatever um but one of the other reviewers is a is a coach who's been coaching for years and i reached out to him because he did like up to he did 5k up to marathon and so i reached out and just said hey do you know anyone who does ultra coaching and he said, actually, I do. And, and so we set up a phone call and had about a 30-minute conversation and just had the right personality mesh, kind of the right philosophy. And, and his whole thing was, you know, avoid injury at all cost. You know, even if it means every now and then or even frequently taking an extra rest day, you know, taking that one extra rest day can save three weeks of downtime. And, I mean, you, you can't beat that. And so I, I started working literally on January 1 of 19 
with Dave Ames from AIM Run Coaching. And he, he's based out of LA, but we would talk in text, I would say four or five days a week. And, and he started laying out a schedule as far as I, I, my, my, my training regimen with the thought that there was some ethereal moving number of this fall, I'm going to run an ultra. And I had, I had kind of written up a little report because being in LA, he doesn't have a lot of good information or personal information about the different era Viper races. Right. And, uh, and kind of like spilled out or spelled out a couple like, okay, well we could do this one or that, you know, and, and I started looking at it and it was because, because McDowell mountain in 19 was on December 7th and nine months to the day before then on, on March 7th. Um, that was when we had the, the realization that, Instead of doing, uh, what was it, the, the uh, Havelina Hangover is the night one in September that's a 50K that you do a couple loops around Pemberton or Cave Creek Thriller 50K or Pass Mountain 50K or McDowell Mountain Frenzy. Instead of choosing between them, we do all of them leading up to McDowell Mountain Frenzy being a 50 mile. And it was, it was kind of like a... a you know, made this, you know, we had a long conversation. It's like, yeah, no, there's, I have no question in my mind. You can run all of those, you can recover and you can do this. And it was just like, all right. And I, I almost got like numb, like, okay, well, this is, I, I, I knew there was going to be something, but now, now we put a name and a date to that something. And he also wanted me to run a, uh, a full marathon in the summer, which as you know, doesn't really exist in Phoenix. Like that's, it's, it's, I mean, it's just, it, it's not possible. Uh, but he told me about the Santa Rosa Marathon in August. And so that was pretty much from March until August, I was training, doing a lot of trail stuff, but was training toward that. But I guess I skipped over the, the, uh, the fun I had pacing you at Black Canyon 100K. Well, let me, let me interject real quick, yeah. Jeff, because with with deciding to do McDowell Mountain Frenzy in December of 2019 was it was it driven by okay this is going to give us give me give us the most amount of time to prepare or was there something specific about that race or was it just scheduling um part of it was the time part of it was the course i mean after after being at that aid station at the bottom of Thompson Peak and looking up at it you know a dozen times throughout the day the thought of, of doing that seemed really intriguing. And, and it, it, McDowell Mountain seemed like, as far as a course profile, um, very doable. I mean, there's 5,000-ish there's feet of climbing, but I mean, there's, there's a lot of 50 miles that have double that. And mm. so it, it was like, okay, there's, there's, this isn't easy. It's not nothing, but it also, I mean, there, there's some races you look at and it's like, no, 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 no. And yep. McDowell Mountain was not one of those. So it was, it was a couple different factors. You know, part of it, that was, you know, that was kind of where I started learning about ultras. So I thought it'd be cool to do that. And, you know, I remember the joke that everyone was making, because do you remember the, the different bib colors? That the, uh, no, no, I don't. So the, the 50 mile bibs were white and the 50K bibs were like a maroon, almost like ASU maroon with a little bit of gold. Okay. And, uh, and so if the way it worked was, you know, obviously the 50 milers would get to us, turn around, go up Thompson Peak, come down and still have about 20 miles to go. Whereas the 50 K runners, when they got to us, 
they only had about eight miles left in the race. And so someone's like, man, if you set up here with a, with a maroon marker, you could make 50 bucks a pop coloring in bits. <laughs> and I just thought to myself like, okay, that's awesome. But I, I would like to do this and I would like to do the 50 mile. I would like to go, you know, like, like do the hard one instead of, you know, cause, cause I don't know, there was just something in, in the stupid part of my brain. That's like, it'd be really cool to do the big one at an event where, you know, like yeah. there's, there, there's other times where it's like, Oh, I did the 50 K, but there was also a 75 K, you know? So sure. it wasn't, but I mean, that's just dumb ego, you know, like at the end of the day, nobody cares. And that's, that's what I love about this community is, is the, the person that comes in 17th in the eight K division is still given high fives and good job by the guy that won the hundred mile division, you know, like, like there's not this, well, I ran farther than you. So I'm better than you that before I got into it, I figured had to exist to a certain extent and it's not there at all. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's in all the different events I've done. It is, I've never seen or heard of that whatsoever. And that's just awesome. Yeah, it's a fortunate it's a fortunate culture that we we're, we're actually able to be a part of. Oh, completely. So I, I'm sorry. You want I I do want to go go to the Black Canyon when you pace me because that's actually <laughs> a funny story and it's an interesting story because talk about you getting out of your comfort zone. Oh yeah. So so we you know we had talked and and we had I think before then we had gotten one run in between after we volunteered together and before black Canyon in February. And yeah. that was out at Apache wash. And, and that was like when the mountain bikes were making fun of me for you leaving me behind, it was like, yeah, but this dude runs hundred miles. Like I run 10 miles, you know, that's, that's the difference. Um, but then we, you know, we were, I was going to pace you and it was perfect because there was an aid station that was just about 10 miles from the finish line. And even though you were much faster than me, I figured if you know, it, it's a hundred K you know, you're going 62 miles. If I spot you 50 ish, I think I can hang with you. And that, that's, that'll, I'll, I won't run the risk of getting dropped by my runner. And then of course the, the week leading up to the race more and more. Well, well go ahead. Well, a oh. couple things. Uh -huh. Let me interject real quick because uh, for the audience, I just want to make sure they're aware. This is about a month and a half into your, into your training for a December race, which was another 10, 11 months away. So the fact of you, you were probably averaging maybe on your longer runs, 10, 13 miles at that point in time. Yeah. Yeah. I was, okay. I was, I was about 10 or 12 on my long days at that point, because it was, it was all about gradually building up. So, I mean, I was running five days a week, but most of those were five or six miles. And then Saturday would come and it'd be, yeah, somewhere between like 10 and 12, maybe 13. Um, perfect and then yeah the the week before we started hearing about rain and we started hearing about flooding and river crossing and i, I remember seeing a thing aravipa put out about 72 hours before the race that they were looking for volunteers to essentially be like river crossing guards and mm -hmm. it's like okay and then they started putting out there well we might need to change the course and you and i met up for coffee I think it was what two days before the race or three days before the race. Yeah, Thursday, and, I think it was. And they had they had put out there that there was a chance they might have to go to the alternate race course because 
Black Canyon is a complete point to point. You know, it's, it's, you start up near Cordes Junction, you finish down by Anthem and it's just a straight shot. And if they had to change the course, the aid station where I would be waiting for you at mile 52 is no longer on the race course. And instead you would pretty much go to Black Canyon City, go just past, double back, go way up and then back down again. And the only place I could jump in to pace you would be Black Canyon, which would mean about a 22 mile day. And you know, the, 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 the excitement of, of all the training going well and, and, you know, wanting to be a friend. And I was like, you know what, if, if they make the change, they make the change and I'll be there. And you know, man, if, if you say you're going to help someone, you're going to help them. So if, 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 if so be it, it'll be 22 miles and that'll be that. And then, you know, the, the day before it was looking pretty good. Like it was going to be totally normal. And, you know, went to bed thinking, all right, it's going to be fine. I'm going to, going to get, you know, meet up with Mike in the afternoon or evening, run 10 or 11 miles. It's going to be great. And I woke up with a text message from you at 5 a.m. <laughs> saying, nope, course change. See you at Black Canyon at whatever. And I was like, we've lost cabin pressure. Like, like, okay, yeah. this is, this is not going to be the day that I thought it was going to be, but it's going to be good. We're, we're going to get you across the finish line. And then, you know, we, we, texted a little bit in, in the run trying to figure out a time for me to, to make sure I got there. And, and this is, you know, it, it's funny because in this situation, there's a lot of, of, you know, both sides of it. And, and what I remember was I got to black Canyon pretty much right when you did. Um, because like, I was looking around as you were like walking, like out of a, a, a port of John's like, Hey, there you are. And then you were like, my knees are shot. I hate my knees. I want to drop out why don't we do the, the four miles, two miles down and two miles back. We'll run together and then that'll be that. And we'll just call it a day. We'll drink some beer and that'll be fine. It's like, dude, it's your race, whatever you want. So if you're remembering any of this differently than I, by all means, please jump in. No, this is spot on. You're but, spot on. So, so you got, you got kind of changed. And then I might've, I might've had a more choice words describing oh, yeah. the, the pain cave I was in, but yeah, sure. You're right on. And so we, we just started going south and talking and, and, you know, my big question for you was, is if you're in this much pain, why are we doing this? Because you've done far greater than what we're doing right now. Like, like this isn't like the defining moment of your life or even defining moment of your ultra career. This is just something we're doing today. So if you're in this much pain, why are we going? And, and there was, I remember that run down and back was just gorgeous. Just some, mm -hmm. some spots where, where, like if, if we weren't in the middle of a race, I would have stopped and probably taken a dozen pictures. I mean, it was incredible. And we got almost to the turnaround point and you were like, my knees are feeling good. And I don't know, there was, there was something like, like your spirits lifted and the pain went away and you even took off from me then. Like I didn't even make it all the way to the turnaround point because you were starting to drop like eight minute miles. And I was like, okay, well, that's interesting and then you know you I, I caught up with you i mean i i think you were like a quarter of a mile or a tenth of a mile ahead so it wasn't that far yeah and then then pick you up back and and you were just like no nah, you know i'm feeling good I, I think i think we're gonna do this so we got back to black canyon that's when you did like a full like gear change because your like shirt was wet and and you know just get get some fresh clothes on and off we went and I mean, I think I was able to hang with you for about eight miles or so before you finally left me behind. 
And the funny thing is, is that, that we backtracked up north to an aid station. And then at that point, it was back. And, and that was, it was about 11 miles up and then 11 miles back down. And somehow you got off course. Right. And, and I got to that aid station before you. And I was, I was panicked because I'm looking around. And you're, and, and I mean, that, that aid station, it was, it was busy. I mean, there were, I'm going to say at least 60 to 80 people there and the sun was setting yeah. and it was just this gorgeous sunset and it started sprinkling and mm-hmm. it's like, dude, this is just surreal. But at the same time, I can't find you. <laughs> like, like, like you were ahead of me. If you had gotten there and turned around, I would have seen, you know, it's all single track. It's not yep. like there's this one section that's a thousand foot wide, like plaza we're walking through. Like it's, it's, we would have probably bumped shoulders. So where the hell were you? And then all of a sudden you showed up and said, you got off track. And I was like, Oh, okay. And you know, we did a little warm up, and then that's when I busted out. I, uh, I had picked up one of those Kogala raw, but, uh, lights that has like five LEDs on the front and a battery pack. And it's almost like having a car headlight on your chest. And cause it was, it was now, nighttime and, and we, we went down and man I, I think I had like eight people try to bribe me to ditch you and run with them <laughs> to be their light source there were so many people that were just and, and I, I started realizing pretty early on that if I didn't use my arm to block the upper portion of the LEDs I was just blinding right the, the, so I, I just kind of got into a steady rhythm of just like holding my, my arm my forearm across my chest and then I think we got, we were heading south about four miles when you had left me behind, or maybe three miles when you, you left me. But I could see you up ahead. It wasn't like you were that far, but I just, I couldn't catch you. And, and it was like, I had, I had hokas on that weren't as well cushioned as I would have liked them to be, but they also weren't like, they don't have that technical of attraction. It was their, their challenger, which is kind of billed as a, you can use it on the road and on the trail. And it's like, well, in, in hindsight, I should have worn something with a more aggressive because there were a couple of times I started slipping and it was like, okay, well, let's not break my leg in the middle of the night trying to catch you for something that, I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're not, you know. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. That was weird. That was super weird. Did anything happen? No, I didn't touch anything. What I noticed was that... Uh... There, I just I couldn't hear you. Like, well, excuse me, I could hear you, or no, I couldn't hear you. I lost you. So, were were you hearing me? All I something, and it's weird. My phone, like, I'm I'm just using my phone right now, and it switched over to speakerphone out of nowhere. Um, but uh, uh, I was I was talking, and all of a sudden, it sounded like like if you told me your dog jumped up and got on your desk and started knocking everything off. That's what it sounded like on my end. Like okay. it's, it sounded like like physical distress was happening. No, no, no. Yeah. So though that didn't happen, I just I just completely lost you. And then when we just tried it again, I heard you, but obviously you couldn't hear me. But hey, we're back on. Yes. The, the good news is that this will basically test my splicing and editing capabilities. So oh, perfect. We'll we'll see how good I am at that. So we'll a worst case, we apologize, audience. You're going to get the full detail. It might be a little chopped up, but in any event, we were at finishing up Black Canyon. The time you paced me when uh, you thought you were going to be running 10 miles, but you ended up running 20, 
three or four plus. So take yep. it, take it back. So, so yeah, so we, we left the, uh, the northernmost aid station, had, had the amazing sunset, started sprinkling a little, we're in the night, and we're heading south, and I'm, I'm getting, you know, bribed to, to leave you and, and be a beacon of light for other people. And I, I think it was only about three miles in that, that you had, you kind of grouped up with this other group of guys and your pace. I mean, at, at that point I was like 15 miles in and my legs were ready to be done, not do another 11. And you, you kind of just slowly, I, I just saw like, like all your guys' uh, lamps fade away. Um, and it was just, and, and I've, I've never felt like, so out of place at a race before because like i'm pacing someone but i'm not near like like my pacer left me behind i felt like such an idiot no Um, that happens all the time man oh now i know that that was that was literally my first experience either being a pacer or having a pacer so it was like okay well just and and you know i mean luckily i had i had loaded up my pack with the thought that this could happen so like i wasn't you know scavenging the aid stations too hard and, and you only came in a few minutes behind me. It wasn't like yeah, we yeah. were waiting there. And that I think, I mean, in all honesty, I, we talked about this. I was I was more proud of you that day, just to, to when you crossed that finish line. I was like kind of jumping for joy. I'm like, hey, you made it! It's awesome! Oh, that's awesome, man! And you felt you felt good. I mean, obviously you felt tired, but you you felt pretty good after, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I I, I wasn't too bad. And and between because. The, the down and back on my watch was four miles and then the up and back was another 22.2. So I literally ran a full marathon that day without nearly the training. And, and it was funny. Like I was anticipating my coach being kind of like, well, which, and he was over the moon. He was yeah. like, dude, you have no idea what this is going to do to jumpstart your training. And he, he, he ended up rewriting the next couple of weeks to take into account like, Hey, just did a 26 mile run. So let me, let me ask you this, Jeff, because that's actually a pretty good point. What did that, obviously that did something because it, 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 your, your train, your coach acted in a way that, okay, well now I know he could push himself further. What did that do for you from a mental perspective? Oh, dude, I immediately, I became bulletproof. I, I, the, the fact that I went from doing 10 to 12 mile long runs to doing 26 miles with thousands of feet of climbing through the dark. And I mean, the worst thing I had from it was like, I got a black toenail and a slight blister started forming at like mile 22. Other than that, I was good. Like my legs were tired, but what, uh, nothing went wrong. So it was like, how, I can do anything. How during, so that was February. So from February on really, we'll say throughout the 50 miler, your 50 miler, how often were you kind of reverting back to that and thinking about that and saying, Hey, listen, I did that. I could do X, Y, and Z. Um, I mean, I would, I would think back to it, but it, it wasn't as much as like thinking back to like that being the genesis of it as much as like, that was the introduction to whatever I think I can do. I know for sure I can do more. Good. So it was like, I ended up doing the, the damn good run like a month later and and that was short that was only i think that's like a 25k so big round numbers like 13 miles and you know like like i finished it feeling like that was it like i wanted more and that Mm -hmm. was that was how i knew but but you know especially having a month earlier ran 26 you know suddenly running 13 or 14 
it's not it's not nothing, but it does it didn't feel enough. But yeah, no, that was that was such a shot of just confidence boost and and physical boost that from then on out, I mean, everything got easier. And actually, it kind of bit me in the ass a, a, a few weeks later. Um, I, I've always been super coachable. Like, I literally won awards as a kid for being coachable, which I always thought was kind of like a, a cop-out, like, oh, most improved, oh, most coachable, you know? Like, like well, we got to give him something. Um, <laughs> and then, like, as an adult, I, I most of the coaches were friends of mine's parents. And they'd be like, yeah, no, I would have killed to have 12 of you because I told you what to do and you'd do it and you wouldn't fight me on it and you wouldn't. And, and that's just, you know, if, if someone knows more than me and they tell me what to do, well, I'm not going to fight. Like, okay, great. That's, that's the way it's done. And so my coach had me doing speed work on Wednesdays and I had a just grueling session, bunch of like full kilometer uh, uh, intervals with a little bit of recovery. And, and I mean, I was doing them at like an upper seven minute pace. I mean, so I was, I was really pushing it. And just absolutely destroyed the workout. And I sent it to him and he was stoked and everything's good. And the next day I was supposed to do five miles at an easy pace somewhere in like the 10 to 11 minute mark. And I got out there and like the song started playing on my headphones and my legs felt really good, even though yesterday I killed them. And I started just picking up the pace a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And my last three miles were all like low eights. And I sent it to him thinking I was going to get an attaboy. And he writes back, like, I can't believe you fucking did that. And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> and he called me. He was like, way to go, dipshit. You completely ruined yesterday. You, you tortured yourself for 90 minutes, and none of it's for anything. Way to fucking go. And he, like, hung up. And I was just like, okay. So, and yeah, and the whole thing was is, is you destroy your legs on those days. So then you take it easy on the other, and your body can adapt and adjust and all that. And... I didn't allow it to do that. Mm -hmm. And I never made that mistake again. And in a way I was glad to make that in March because I never made that mistake again. It was right. when it was time for easy miles, it was easy miles. And, and so training just kind of kept going on. And I, I had the, um, the Santa Rosa marathon was in, in August and our daughter had started kindergarten and she had already started by that time. And so she stayed with grandma and grandpa with my parents and my wife and I went out to Santa Rosa, which beautiful wine community in Northern, Northern California. And she signed up to run the half and I signed up to run the full. Two weeks ahead, I got super sick, like this awful cough, cold, couldn't shake it, which that happened to me in my first marathon in 2014. I got super sick two days before, ran it anyway, and I was sick for months afterward. So like, and that was my wife and I had a rule after that, that if I was ever sick, I can't run a marathon sick. Like it's just, it's, it, it doesn't work. And so I was, I was sleeping almost all the time, drinking all, you know, tons of fluids, doing everything, couldn't kick it. Ended up going to the doctor about a week before the race. And, uh, and the doctor's like, well, usually this doesn't do anything, but there's like 3% of these that, that antibiotics will, will deal with it. So let's give you antibiotics and whatever. So she gave me antibiotics we flew out to California. I was feeling better. We, we got out there about three days before the race and, uh, you know, felt, felt pretty good the day before the race. And I, I, you know, Steph and I had talked that I needed to actually feel good, not just okay. I needed to feel good. And morning of the race, I felt great. You know, I, I got up, felt great, got, got dressed, you know, so we, we, we walked down, we, we stayed at a little Airbnb, literally like 
200 yards from the start and finish line, which was amazing and got out there and it was, it was nice and cool and, and just started running everything through the first 20 miles was just great. You actually run through all sorts of vineyards mm-hmm. and you even run through a winery and they, they try to get you to take a shot of Chardonnay, but it's at like mile nine. So it's like, no, I'm, I'm good. But I, I did notice I was sweating massively, even though it was cool there was fog like there was there was for the first 20 miles you really couldn't see more than about 500 yards i mean it was just fog everywhere um and about mile 20 i started feeling a little off even though i I brought a water bottle that i was refilling at the aid stations and drinking a ton of water and uh by mile 22 i started having like weird stomach cramps and just did not feel well and at mile 24 I stopped at an aid station, which was just staffed with uh, with high school kids that didn't know anything about anything. They they literally had cups that said water and cups that said um, like scratch, and they put scratch in the water cups and and water in the scratch cups. So it was like, how do you mess that one up? I mean, come on. But uh, <laughs> but I got there and like they could tell I was not doing well, and all I could say, and I said it over and over, was I need to be not doing this. <laughs> And I like, you know, I have a degree in journalism. Like, like I've published three books. Like I, I know what grammar is and I know I need to be not doing this is not great for grammar. And uh, so they, they got a medical personnel and they were, they started talking to me and they're like, yeah, we, we, we want to send you to the hospital. So I ended up taking an ambulance ride to the hospital, started vomiting wow. in the ambulance. Um, then they, they, they could not get a vein for the life of me. I mean, they, they poked me about eight different times and finally they gave up and like, well, in the hospital, they'll, they'll give them an IV. And eventually they, they gave me a pair of IVs um, and said it was just massive dehydration, right. likely brought on between, you know, not training in humidity, training in heat and still being sick and on antibiotics. And so that was, now, that was, where that. was, where was Steph at that point? Was she with you? No, well, no, because she she ran the half. So the, right. the half went off about thirty minutes after we did, and she had finished because she'll run a half. I mean, she's not crazy fast, but I mean, she'll run a half in like one forty five, one fifty. So she was she was well done by then, and uh, and she was like w- looking at me on my phone, like like uh, the the tracking app of where I was, and and like the way that race goes is the first and last five miles is almost like on this community like path that runs alongside a river, which it's beautiful. I would, I would strongly recommend if anyone's thinking about doing a, a summer marathon, Santa Rosa marathon was incredible. Um, except for, you know, the last two miles. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but, but she could see that like I had gone from doing nine to 10 minute miles to doing 11 minute miles to like, I was very clearly walking and I was sending her text messages. And, but then like when, by the time I got to, I need to be not doing this. I, I couldn't send her a text message like that was, yeah. So, but it, I, once I got into the ambulance, I, I let her know what was going on. And so she took an Uber to the ambulance or to the hospital. Um, and yeah, so she was, she was only behind me by about five minutes, but yeah, that was, that was not great. And, and definitely kind of, kind of shook my confidence a little bit, but it was, it was kind of a revert back to 2014 of, if I'm sick, I can't run. And at the same time, like I couldn't dwell on it because a month later I had my 50 K my first 50 K, which was the Havelina hangover, which is a night race that literally starts at like seven o'clock at night. 
and it's it's effectively two giant loops of Pemberton, which if you if you're not familiar, Pemberton is this big about a fifteen and a half mile loop that is you know there there's there's two different trailheads you can dress it from and and so one half of it is just kind of smooth rolling uphill and the other half is smooth rolling downhill uh very smooth terrain not at all technical um and my wife's not a night person so she had very little interest in crewing me at that but my brother is and he also does a lot of astrophotography so he went out with me to the hangover and as soon as i got out and and started running he busted out his tripod and started doing all sorts of cool night photography um and that was that was a really interesting run you know part what let let me interrupt uh-huh. you jeff what was what was your psyche like going into that because you training had been going well you crushed it you know pacing pacing me at the black canyon and then you go to do this half mar- this marathon excuse me and you know what happened to you you know why you got sick you understood it but going into the hangover was there any remnants of uh shit I, I i bonked at that race i got I'm, I'm running five six more miles at this race was there any where was your head at going into that it, it was actually it was doing okay and because in in enough of my long runs i had gotten that close i mean there was there was a few times i, I went out to to mcdowell or uh, that's that's where pemberton is um and i did 22 to 25 on my own and I mean, I, I felt tired by the end, but it was never like, oh God, I can't do more. And so, so I was, I, I, I would have been happier had Santa Rosa gone better, but sure. I, I wasn't, I wasn't too bad. I, I really had this <laughs> mindset of, you know what, like it's, it's, it's going to be fine. I got this. This is, you know, back at home. I, I like running at night. Like I, I did a, um, a, a dry run a few weeks earlier. I went out there at like seven o'clock at night and I was the only one in the park and right. it was so creepy. There were so many scorpions and so many massive spiders and it was just like, Oh, and then, you know, on race day with hundreds of people around, you see a lot of trampled scorpions and trampled spiders. So that was cool. I'm, I'm not a scorpion fan. We, we have them at our house and yeah, I, uh, I, I, I have no empathy or, you know, <laughs> We, we've, we, there's a couple nights we've gone out at night with a black light and killed like 27 spiders or 27 scorpions in the backyard. And so it's, it's like, I, I, I take it personally. Their, their existence is not, is, is not a favor. So, so go, going out on, especially one, the night, the night training run, and then subsequently some of the other training runs that you went out there for, I would think that kind of gave you a little bit more boost of confidence and com- comfortability with, okay. I know this. I know this loop now. I get this now. I'm comfortable here. Uh, I'm going to be good with this. I'm going to put Santa Rosa behind me and move forward. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, it was. It was. I'm. I'm. I'm on my home turf, and and I had spent so many hours in the dirt rather than on the road. I mean, in the in the summer leading up to that, my my coach had me do. He had a couple weekends where I would do on Saturday, like. 22 to 24 on the street and then the following morning he wanted another 8 to 10 on the trail and but i mean you know like like trail miles they're different than road miles you know part of it is is the ground is softer part of it is is you know when when you come around a corner and there's a huge hill on the trail so you drop to a walk on the road Mm -hmm. you really don't do that you just keep so it was it was just it's it's a different mindset 
of of road versus trail and and so getting back in the dirt like it felt like home and so yeah it it leading up to it i it wasn't that i had really any nerves it was just like i i was still kind of channeling everything i learned from black canyon of this is what i'm gonna do and i'm just gonna do it like it's it's you don't think about well what if i can't no that's that's not a question you're just gonna do it and so it, it, it was funny the the biggest issue i had at that uh the hangover was figuring out shoes because they had just sent me a pair of uh asics trainers that i really needed to get miles in but they weren't trail shoes so i said screw it i'm gonna wear them for the first loop and you know what they were i mean that that just is a testament to how chill pemberton is that i, I mm-hmm. wore like literally just trained for the first 16 and there was not one moment that i thought well this was a mistake but then after after that i i I put on some more traditional trail shoes to finish up but that was that was my first entry into kind of learning firsthand the 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 weird demons that pop up in in ultra stuff and that at mile 25 there wasn't any part of my legs or glutes that didn't hurt and at mile 29, it all stopped. There was nothing wrong with any of it. It was, you know, they, they talk about that, that, you know, the body has this like self-preservation mechanism saying, no, you're going too far. This is wrong. Shut it down. And there's no way to tell the body, no, I'm good. Like I have an aid station coming up. I have my brother here. Like I'm not in danger. You just think I am. And then, you know, you get to that point where, you know, the, the, that that part of your mind goes oh you only have two miles left you can always run two miles and the pain just goes away and so that was that but that was uh i finished it was i think it was about six and a half hours seven hours something like i I don't know i I could look it up but right after i finished someone gave me a shot of pickle juice and Mm -hmm. i immediately felt 70 percent better it was amazing how just that one you know that like and, and I mean, I take salt pills during long runs and I mean, I have, I was keeping up on my levels, but clearly not enough, but yeah, that was, that was really interesting. And then, you know, and that was, that was the first ultra. Correct? Yeah. That was my first 50 K. So I finished right. at like one o'clock in the morning, middle of the night. And, you know, like a, a scout who was the race director for that. Like he, he heard me say something about like my first one. He goes, oh, this is your first. And like ran over and like, they have a special, like, sticker that that's like i ran my first ultra with era vipa um so that was that was really cool um and then right away it was like okay well i need to start getting a lot of good sleep because i have another one in three weeks and that that was the cave creek thriller um and leading up to that like three days out from that had the same thing where sorry i got sick which you know gotta love having a kindergartner who touches everything and and whatever i mean this is so so yeah it was i learned enough from santa rosa to know that it just wasn't going to happen it wasn't in the cards and i i mean i didn't even go pick up my t-shirt and pack it uh but the nice thing the, the 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 very small silver lining i had there was the morning of the race was the morning elliot kipchoge was going to try to break two hours in vienna uh-huh. And so, or, or I guess it was, it was late that night, the night before. So I got to stay up and watch it firsthand, which was truly incredible to watch. And especially at the end of it, like he, he, he broke two hours and then he turned around and he's sprinting up and down like the corridor giving high fives. And it's like, 
holy shit that guy is a machine <laughs> like it was yeah, oh really? god it was and it was so cool watching like like the 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 pacing teams move in in front of him and move out with precision and i mean these guys who are pacing him are all world-class athletes mm-hmm. and they're falling apart halfway through like they're on their second turn with him because they did 5k at a time and so they've already done a 5k with him and they had some downtime and now they're halfway through the second one and their form's breaking down and his is just getting better. And, and that was, that was really good for me to just see like, like, yeah, no, this dude is truly one of a kind, but like, mm. that's amazing. And, and it was one of those that I didn't have too much time to wait because a few weeks later I had my next 50 K that was going to be the final one. And that was past mountain down in Mesa and I had never been down there because, I mean, I'm in the north part of the valley and there are so many trails up here. There's no point for me to drive an hour plus to a different trail system that, I mean, isn't necessarily better or worse than any of the other ones, you know. And, and right. But two weeks before, or actually, no, it was a week before, I went out there and I did the, the kind of main loop. And then that's another one that instead of being uh, point to point, it's about two loops. And I, I essentially did one loop. I, I did about 15 miles out there. And it was shocking because the southern portion of the course is completely flat and chill. It might as well be at Apache Wash. And then there are sections on the northern part that in a three-mile span, my hand touched the ground eight times because you're climbing up rocks. So it's like, well, clearly you're not running through here. Um, but that was the final test and and my coach had me running that race on Saturday and the following morning he had me running 15 miles on the road and he was like I want I want at least a 10 minute pace he goes if if you can only give me 10 miles so be it but I'd like to see you be able to hold about a 10 minute pace and I was <laughs> like well and and but the whole thing was that the last the the past mountain 50k he said needed to be slow and so I I purposely went out super chill the first loop and kept it chill the second loop. Uh, the second time through uh, one of the first aid stations, the people looked at me and they're like, I remember you from last time, but have you been doing this? Because you look like you're, you're not even like in bad shape. You look like, you're, like, like the woman in front of you, you should give her a piggyback ride because she's dying <laughs> and it looks like you haven't even started. And I was like, well, this is... You know, and, and so that was that was the plan again, you know, coachable coach says this is what you do. And I did it. And so that one ended up being closer to eight hours. And by the time I was done, I was exhausted. And I actually I, I pulled Noah, the race director aside. And I kind of I was I my, my confidence was a little shook because I was exhausted after 50K. And it's like, how the hell am I going to go another 20 miles in less than a month because I was on November 16th so I had like three yeah. weeks until the race so and and he's like don't worry you got this and I was like oh, we'll see so I got so by the time we got home it was like five o'clock at night had some food and literally went to bed with the thought that I needed to get 15 miles in the next morning and I woke up threw on the shoes went out for a run and I ended up doing 15 and I like my average pace was like 907 and I took a screenshot to send to my coach. My coach is like, all right, shut it down. We got three weeks. We're doing a three-week taper. There is nothing you can learn. There's nothing your, your legs can get. Um, just take care of yourself. Get lots of good sleep. Get, get, do your, your normal stretching. And you know, from now on, 
we are doing just easy runs and we're cutting your mileage and all that. And so, you know, everything is, is lined up to be great for the 50 mile. And I started feeling like I was getting sick about two weeks out again. I was like, you have got to be fucking kidding me again. <laughs> and like, you know, and, and I mean, we've had conversations with our daughter of you need to wash your hands more and you need to watch it, which of course, like now that's the world has changed and everyone is, you know, knows they need to wash their hands every 20 minutes. But, you know, for a six year old in kindergarten, that just doesn't sink in. And I was right. a, like, it was right before Thanksgiving and I was kind of having a pity party of, did I really spend this whole year training for a race and I'm not going to get to run it because of a cold cough thing? Because uh, I had tuberculosis when I was a teenager and I have what's, what's called symptomatic asthma. I always joke that if I stub my toe, I get a cough. Anything I get goes straight to my lungs. Literally, it's, it's always like that. So little illnesses turn into big coughs for me. And so I was, I was, you know, and then we, we had Thanksgiving, which was amazing. You know, um, uh, just our family, my, my wife, daughter, brother, uh, went over to my mom and dad's. Sorry, this is, this, this, this I gets hard. Um, yep. But we, we had Thanksgiving and had a great time. And it was a week before the race. And it was, you know, my parents were like, just, just rest, recover. You're going to be fine. And that was that. And so we, we had Thanksgiving, had a, had a great time. And, and I, I was Friday, I think I had a rest day. And my wife and daughter have this thing that they, uh, they go down to my in-laws the weekend after Thanksgiving. And frequently that's when I'll like work on writing and, you know, having 48 hours just to, to write books or edit books or whatever. Um, but I was going to use that Saturday I was going to drive over to McDowell mountain and run the only part of the 50 mile course I hadn't run was that final eight mile loop, which is where Steph is going, was going to pace me. You could have a pacer pick you up at mile 42 to 50 and she was going to be my pacer for that. And I had, I had run that, that in a Ragnar trail in like 2013, but you know, when you're running sleep deprived at 3 a.m. seven years ago, you don't really remember what what the uh, the trail is like. Um, so right. I was I was planning on going over there Saturday morning, um, but you know nice weather, so I slept in and I woke up and my brother had called me and he had just gotten a call from my dad that dad had called the ambulance that mom wasn't breathing. Um. So yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, this is take your time. This is especially hard because yesterday was her birthday. But we could we could bypass yeah, it. Well, I'm, I'm I'm good. But but yeah. So um, we got over there, and mom had died in her sleep, and so I'm now a week away, and immediately I'm thinking, in no world can I run this. Like I I I've got nothing, and yeah, it just my my dad and brother were like just. You don't need to make a decision today. Um, and then Steph and Emma came back up from my in-laws and Steph had said the same thing of like, and, and over the, the, the next few days, there was a lot of just thought. And I mean, I, I, I honestly don't remember a lot of the next few days. I mean, I was just kind of in shock because it was out of nowhere. And uh, yeah, it, it just, at a certain point, it, it just dawned on me that she would be so sad if she was the reason that I didn't run. So 
that was that was kind of the the final realization that I needed that that I needed to do this and I had planned I had figured that I would probably run about 12 hours um you know for for that day but to me it was never really about time it was just about finishing and as long as I beat the cutoff which I think was like 17 hours or something it was it was a very generous cutoff that it was like, okay, I got this. And then the, the day before the race, we had her funeral and we had a lot of family in town and I can't tell you how much it meant to see you there. That was awesome. Um, and I, I spoke, I remember a little bit of what I said, but, but again, a lot of it is just a blur. Um, and then the, uh, you know, the, we, we went back to my dad's now my dad's house at, uh, and all the family was over and, I kept trying to leave and trying to leave and everyone's telling me to leave, but you know, it was a lot of family in from out of town. And so I got home around 10 o'clock knowing that I needed to wake up around four 30 and went right to bed and proceeded to literally toss and turn the entire night. I never fell asleep. I had, uh, at about three 30, I finally looked at the clock and realized, well, okay, it's, it's just not going to happen. And I started uh, reading the book I had been reading which was uh, Rise of the Ultra Runners. And that actually was really helpful because in that portion right then in the book, uh, the, the guy, right, the author, uh, was doing a stage race where it's like 200 or 300 miles over the course of five days. And, and you know, there's it, I, one of the ones through like the Sahara Desert or that kind of thing. And his first day like the, the it was it, it's it's not up to you you don't get to stop where you want like this is the start point this is the end point for the day and he ran like 50 miles the first day and then the second day he ran 60 miles and then his legs hurt so bad after the second day that he couldn't sleep and so he just laid there all night and then the next morning got up and ran another 60 miles and i thought to myself well this guy did 60 miles on zero sleep. I'm only going to do 50. And he's done 110 miles in the two days before where I have done nothing. So I can do this. There's no question in my mind. I can do this. And so exhausted, I got up, took a shower, got dressed, drove over. And, uh, and, and I, I actually, I, I took a selfie at the start line uh, or, or at the, the thing. And uh, my eyes just look exhausted but I met up with you and I met up with another uh, friend of mine also named Michael, who uh, I know from the missing chins and he lives not far from McDowell mountain. And he was thinking about doing one of the races, but he had been having ankle issues. So he wasn't going to, but he decided to run over or come over in the morning just to like, wish me well with everything that happened with mom. And like that, that really meant a lot. And then that's when, when I, I asked you what your race plan was and you were like, my race plan doesn't matter. I'm just doing, I just want to get you to the finish line. You, you, you pretty much told me that if I told you to go fuck yourself and leave me alone, you would maybe, <laughs> but realistically your plan was just to do whatever I wanted and hang with me and all that. And it's, it's funny. Cause I, I always run uh, my long runs, listen to a podcast. It helps keep like, like cadence and, and, you know, music comes and, and you get picked up too much and where it's like, dude's talking about video games. I can just do 10 minute miles all day to that um, with, and, and so I had been saving them up knowing I was going to have a long day and, uh, and I ended up not listening to a single moment because we did 
just go out and, and we, you know, you, you adapted to my, my mindset of, you know, the first mile we ran all the way through, but then when the mile would ding drop to a walk for the next two minutes and then run easy. And then the mile dings walk for two minutes. And it just, cause the, the whole thing was I had to save my legs. Cause when we did Thompson as a warm up, that just destroyed me. It's so steep up and it's so steep down that if your legs are bad going into that, I, I don't know how you do it. I mean, do you, do you literally like roll down like barrel roll or I, I so <laughs> that was my thought was, was just be super conservative until Thompson get down from Thompson. And then that would be that. And the, the cool thing was, is my dad and brother, volunteered to be at the aid station you and i and greg had been the year before the unfortunate thing was no one else signed up so when you and i got there at mile 28 it was just bob and greg and dude have you ever seen an aid station that looked more like a medical triage unit that was insane there was there was like four guys laying on the ground in the dirt there was a couple others uh because my my brother being in camping at all the uh all of his like, expandable like camp chairs. He had like five chairs out and people were just sitting around. I mean, so many people had just gone out too hard and then they broke themselves on, on uh, Thompson peak. And I mean, one of the guys we later learned was the race leader who wasn't paying attention, didn't double back, ran a couple miles, the wrong direction, figured it out, ran back, then tried sprinting up Thompson to, to get his time back and it just broke him. And that, that dude looked like a zombie. Yeah, we saw him. He was coming down. We were going up. Uh huh. Like and, and, and other people had, had, had pinged my dad. And so dad left Greg alone in the aid station. And he walked his way back to walk with the guy. And dad walked with him for like five minutes. And the, the kid like said like two words. He was just, and like they ended up like getting him a ride out of there. Like he was not able to leave on his own accord. And, and that was exactly, I knew that could happen. That was why it was all about take the first 28 miles so much easier than you think you should. And then, you know, after, after that, whatever you have left, go ahead and spend it. But so that was, you know, we went up Thompson, we came back down, spent a little bit of just a few minutes talking with dad and Greg, resupplying, refueling, think change shoes and then off we went and i'm i'm glad that i grabbed my uh i i had a a a light because we were we were moving slow enough and that's then because we had about i think seven or eight miles to get back to where steph would be waiting for us when we got to the finish line the first time at like mile 42 and then you know the rain came in and that slowed everything down and i mean there was you know, definitely legs were feeling it. And I remember you looked back at me at like mile, like 35 or 38. And you're like, my legs have never felt this good this far into a race. And I was, <laughs> I probably should have no, said man, I, was, I was like, see, like there's a, there's a science behind it, man. You, you, you just pepper in little bits of walk and it, it really breaks up the whole thing. But no, like, I mean, at that point I had kind of ex- started experiencing the same thing I had during the, the other 50 Ks of, there are parts of my body that hurt, but there's nothing wrong. They just hurt for the sake of hurting. You know, they, they, they're trying to get me to knock off what I'm doing, but they, you know, my, my, my hamstrings don't have the knowledge that I'm with a friend. If something happens, he will help me. You know, there's aid stations coming up. In a few miles, I'm going to see my wife. Like, 
everything's okay, but there's, there's no way to impart that knowledge to inanimate parts of your body. So we just kept right. pushing. And then that's, you know, we, we finally got in the dark to Steph and that's when you're like, you know, if you want, I can leave you two alone. It's like, dude, you've literally spent the entire day with me. You're not leaving me at like, like you've come this far. Might as well, like, let's, let's finish this together. So we went out like you in the lead, Steph in the middle and me in the, in the back. And man, that, that final eight miles was rough. I, I remember a lot of mud that, that the rain had really started accumulating and just made it hard to run. But again, it was the kind of thing that, you know, we, we just dropped to a walk for so long because the legs just hurt so bad and then hit like mile 47 the legs are like oh yeah three miles you always can do three miles and the pain went away and we started running again and it is yeah you crushed that last like mile yeah. and a half two miles i just remember like oh, okay we're running this now okay, yeah I, okay. And, and it was it was one of those things where it's like yeah my legs did hurt and all of a sudden they're like oh now we don't hurt we're just tired it's like you can always run on tired legs but when they hurt that bad and so, yeah, so then we just, we, we, and, and I, I loved at about a half mile out, you look back and you're like, you're crossing in front of me. Don't fight me on this. And it was like, okay. And, and so like, like St- Steph and I crossed together and, and you were right there behind us. And I love it. There's, there's a picture um, that my brother took because there was, uh, we had some, I had some family there at the finish line. And someone else had like their cameras flash had gone off and illuminated it perfectly. Um, and it, it's just a picture of me like hugging, hugging Steph, sobbing. And, but there's you in the background too. Like, it's just like, like that picture just sums up the day so perfectly, but it, it's funny. Cause like that, that 50 mile at literally no point did I ever th- remotely think it's not going to happen. I knew for sure the moment we started that I would finish they, and, and it wasn't like, like it, it, I didn't even think about that. I thought about it. It was just like, it, it's kind of like uh, how often do you contemplate gravity? It's like, Oh, well, like I'm, right. I'm not going to float away any moment because gravity's here. It's like, no, it was, I knew for sure there was no question I was finishing. So thank you for that, by the way. You, yeah. You, you, you know, it's it's funny, right, Jeff? Because I was thinking about uh, thinking about something earlier in the week, and you know, kind of putting my thoughts together for this and and what I wanted you to talk about. Because and you nailed it. You you it was perfect how you displayed this and and how you articulated this throughout the podcast. But I was thinking about you know my races and and you know some of the races that I've had and what. And, and it not, not that I've been doing this a long time, it's been five or six years, but what has been the most fulfilling and, and um, satisfying, gratifying moments of, of me doing the ultras. And there's, there's two that specifically came to mind. Both of them have to do with me pacing somebody else. Technically I did run this race. I didn't technically sure. pace you. We ran it together, but being able to go, being able to see what you had gone through the work, the work that you put in. Cause I was, I wasn't there with you through the entire journey, but you know, we were connecting once every other week or something like that, just to see where you're oh, yeah, we, we talked going. a lot too. To see how you transform through the journey 
and the adversity that obviously you had to go through, you know, just a week leading up to the race and then the day before the race and, and your, your, your mind was clear race day. Uh, I mean, it was just to see you cross that line and to see you do it in the manner in which you did it. There was no bitching and moaning. There was no complaining. You know, we had great conversations. We had those deep conversations. We had those lighthearted conversations, but for me, it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I'm so grateful to just be able to spend, you know, the, the hours on the trail with you. And then to see you cross that line, that was, that was probably in the top three most gratifying and satisfying moments of, of me doing ultra marathons. Um, but I wanted to ask you, I wanted to ask you through that process through 19, or 2019, what, what was your biggest takeaway? What was your biggest thing or lesson that you, you pulled away from that whole process? Honestly, running ultras changed me because I, I, not that I was always a lazy person, but I had no problem waking up, you know, sleeping in, waking up and heading straight to the couch to watch football. Um, you know, I used to be a golf pro. I used to be a caddy and, you know, there was something about efficiency, meaning, why work hard when you don't need to? And throughout the whole thing with ultras, it's you—you you can't phone it in, you can't fake it. You know, I've—I've uh, I've become good friends with uh, the guy that owns my local running shop, uh, Tortoise and Hare. Uh, his name's Nathan, and he talks about how he loves running because it is the most like democratic. Like, if you put in the work, it shows up. If you don't put in the work, it doesn't. It, it's there. There's an equality and a balance there that that in basketball you can phone it in, and if you're really talented, you'll still succeed. In in running, it's all about the work. It's it's there is no such thing as just being oh I I can naturally run a five minute mile without training. No, you can't. No one can. That doesn't the the, the human body doesn't work like that. And so going through the process changed me and made me appreciate the working hard. But it also, it, it gave me such mental strength. And I, I truly don't know if, if I don't start ultra running training a, a year before when my mom dies, because if, if, whether I started training or not, that, that had no, you know, it's, it's not like she was out at a race of mine and fell to her death. Like, like she had a heart attack in her sleep. What I did didn't change anything. But if I don't start ultra training at the beginning of the year, when she dies, I probably spiral into mm. a bad depression. Like, like the mental strength I gained on so many of those 20 to 24, 25 mile runs, you know, running 25 miles in July where you run out of water with three miles to go. Like that'll, that'll make you strong in ways you can never imagine. And there, there's no way to shortcut that. And I'm not recommending people do that. That just happened. Um, but I, I really think that, that I mean, I'm, I'm still running and I'm running a lot. I mean, obviously not running anything right now, but or any events right now, but the, the physical advantages and physical development I've gotten from running ultras has been incredible, but it's the mental changes that I'm most thankful for. And, and so much of it is, is, is when, a, when a problem occurs now, it's just like, all right, and we deal with it where, two years ago, a problem would occur and we're going to figure out why did the problem happen and mm. how can we make sure? And it's like, no, fuck it, move on. It happened. There's nothing you can do to change it. 
you know, be, be aware of what caused it so we don't do it again, but just figure out how you're going to fix the problem rather than bitching about the problem's existence. And, and that's, that's the thing I've taken away the most throughout this whole thing. And, and let me, let me, let me backtrack a little bit into how amazing the culture of Aravipa is. Um, I've, I've always been the mindset and I've, 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 I read this thing years ago and I, I believe the theory that says like, if ever you go, people are rude. That's not them. You're rude. And they're responding to you. And the flip side of if everywhere you go, people are really nice and friendly. You're really nice and friendly. And so I, I shop at the same Safeway every week. And right after mom died, I was in there shopping. And the guy working the deli counter, I know, like he, he could tell from the moment I, I, I walked up, something was wrong. And, you know, I told him, started crying and, and like he came around the corner and gave me or came around the, the counter and gave me a hug. And before I left that day, six different employees that I've known there all gave me a hug. Like, that's just like, like I've gotten to know them and they, they could tell that I needed something. I like, I am that person at Safeway. Like, like, like all the employees, like I'm the one who's nice to everybody and I know their names and I, you know, we have conversations in the trail running world, I'm nobody. Like at, at Era Viper races, there's 75 people who are who I am at Safeway. And it's not that I'm rude or mean or anything at Era Viper races. That's just how everyone is. Everyone is so nice. Everyone is friendly. Ev- like like it's 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 not one or two people leading the charge. Out of 500 people, 350 of them are amazing people. And that is just you, you can't put a price tag on that. I mean, that is, and, and I will always enjoy even going to volunteer at their races because it's just an environment that's untouchable. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just add on to that because I've been fortunate enough to, or fortunate to be able to do ultra run running and, and be involved in some ultra communities in three different States. And that, that culture is echoed through, at least from my experience, those those three states too in pennsylvania colorado and arizona it's just and you know you listen to any any podcast or talk to people that are in communities around the country if not around the world um the community is is exactly how you how you uh stressed it right there 100 percent. so let's uh let's land this plane man i appreciate i appreciate the time i'll i'll do my best to edit it, but either way, <laughs> either way, it's going to be great content and, and a great story. And I'm glad you were able to get it out. And in all honesty, man, I'm, I'm 100% thankful that I was able to, you know, experience, experience part, parts of it with you. Um, oh, dude, been, you were a big part. You I were appreciate a very that. big part of this last 18 months. I appreciate that. But being able to connect with you and Greg just on like a chance thing. We were, we volunteered and we met and then to be able to get to know your family a little bit better over the course of the last 18 months. And, and of course, being able to get to know you, it's just been, it's been a treat and I'm grateful for it. So I wanted to say thank you. And as far as I have two questions to ask you and just kind of land the plane, just some fun questions. One, you know, we're, we're, we're all living in this really, wild and wacky and, and strange world of quarantine and COVID and, and just, uh, you know, all the other nonsense, but what has been one of your indulgences during the last three months? 
outside of anything normal what be, what has what a, indulgence have you been partaking in more because of the quarantine well i mean definitely been having more dessert than than normal <laughs> you know there's there's more more tubs of ice cream have gone uh, gone in the garbage can than than but the uh re- just this this past week uh, the weather was incredible, and we decided we would take our daughter over to Castles and Coasters in the morning when it opened and, and played a round of mini golf with her at 10 a.m. And it was just – that was, that was a lot of fun, and it was great because, like, there was – the place was a ghost town. You know, there was no one around, and, you know, that is the benefit of, of an activity like that where you can be outside. So even if there were people around, I don't really think you're at risk of anything, you know, when you're – that I, I think like golf in, in general, I mean, you can be 20, 30, 40 feet away from someone and that's not obviously any sort of risk factor. So that was, that was a lot of fun, you know, seeing a six-year-old's face light up as, you know, she got her first hole in one and, and that was, that was really cool. That's great. That's awesome, man. The last question, buddy, is uh, what is one thing most people don't know about you? Oh, um, I mean, I, I lived in Hawaii for three years and I, I used to be a golf pro at the number one course in Arizona. But I mean, that's I I lived, ate and breathed golf for 15 years. And in the last decade, I think I've played four rounds of golf total. That's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> that and crazy. you know what? If I was if I was to go out right now, I'd probably shoot about an 85. That, so. And that, that, that's why, see, now people that listen and actually play golf to this, they're not going to like you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing. With, with golf, it's just about if the less you get wrong, you don't have to get stuff right. Just don't get it wrong. Right. Like I, I used to work with a guy who was better than scratch, and he was the most boring golfer to play with because it would be middle of the fairway, middle of the green, two putts, every now and then he'd make it. And that was it. He just, he just never made mistakes. Uh, and it's that's that's a that's not a bad way to go through life just try to try to always get it right uh, i hear you brother well hey man uh thank you so much jeff we appreciate it appreciate you coming on and again i thank you for just uh, you know being being a friend over the course of the last 18 months it's it's been a great journey and i'm looking forward to more absolutely man it's been my pleasure and uh thank you so much talk to you later buddy all right sounds great all See right bye bye